All right, I'm here with Guy Odishaw. He is the founder of Bhakti Wellness Center and the co-founder of Cerebral Brain Frit Training. Guy, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah, uh, let's just jump into it, man. I'm curious, how did you get started with uh, – why are you so passionate about the brain and and that you actually figured, hey, I got to start a company because just looking at your website, you're extremely passionate. I've got a chance to talk to you, and you know this is uh, this is something that you're deeply, deeply involved in. But why now this trend, this movement towards the, the brain specifically? Sure, great question. So, um, so the longer story is, you know, I've been in the holistic health field for a little over thirty years, uh, mostly on the orthopedic side. But then maybe 12 years ago, I got into bioelectric medicine. And this was just, I had a provider in my clinic who wanted to rent space and, and she did bioelectric medicine and I didn't really know anything about it. And, and I just saw miracles happening in my own clinic. And, and many of us were standing in the doorway of our treatment room watching this woman she would fill my clinic. I had 10 treatment rooms. If, if a treatment room wasn't in use, she'd put a patient in it and treat them. And she might be running five, six treatment rooms herself. And, and then if one of the providers was standing around with nothing to do, she would grab them, just like, come here, hold this, do this. And then she'd be off. And she'd have a, the, the waiting room would be full of people from morning till night. And, and some nights when I started kind of working with her, we'd be there till midnight. Wow. And she'd just be working on people, working on working. We'd have to go out to the waiting room and say, okay, folks, you know, sorry, like we got to finish for the night. But, but what was, what got me really, I mean, just fired up was seeing what seemed like miracles, people coming in, in a walker and walking out without their walker. Um, one of her, her great stories was um, a, a longtime client of hers who was a diabetic and, and had this, uh, uh, foot that was going south, but he would not let her work on it. And it got to a point where the foot needed to be amputated. He called her 24 hours before the surgery and said, can you help me? And she said, absolutely. She packed up, she went over, she worked on him for 24 hours straight, canceled the, the surgery. And she took videos of this and you could see when she started Foot was all ballooned up red. You couldn't even, you could barely tell that there were toes. You could see the dotted line of the surgeon for where they were going to amputate. And at the end of the 24 hours, it was an almost normal looking foot. And like, like that should be impossible. But she did that through bioelectric medicine, in that case, microcurrent therapy. And that was like seeing those things happening in my own clinic. That's where I was like, okay, I, I, I've got to do that. And uh, that began me switching over to uh, working, uh, you know, starting to incorporate bioelectric medicine into my practice. And then eventually that led me to more focus on the brain and doing neurofeedback and then neuromodulation and then down the path of all the different, um, uh, you know, uh, photobiomodulation, direct current, alternating current, magnetic stim, and really doing bioelectric medicine specifically for the brain. Although I still spend plenty of time on the orthopedic side. Wow. Okay. That, that's amazing. Yeah. And I know as a coach myself, like there is, you know, as healers, if you want to call it that, it's, and it's, there's no ego. It's just, we love to help people. And it's like, man, if you're seeing, you can get better results doing this and you just, you gravitate towards that. And, and you know, just hearing those stories, you just, 
you can just see like your passion of like, yeah, I just want to help more and more people. If I can do it quicker and better and more efficient, then let's, let's go and let's do that. So I can totally uh, empathize with that. Um, you know, I'm familiar and I'll probably a lot of my audience is familiar with things like neurofeedback and maybe even some photobiomodulation, like red light therapy that we see is so popular, but like, what is, what's different about cerebral fit and like, what are you guys doing differently than maybe like the traditional that we just hear neurofeedback clinics, you know, for example? Sure. Yeah. So I would say, so, um, where, Cerebral Fit grew out of was was myself and my partner in the business, uh, Dr. Jeff Grobot, a biomed center in Arizona and Providence. And just two practitioners, he's been at it 26 years, me a little over 30, uh, you know, just chatting and kind of kvetching about what it takes to run a big clinic and, and, and just the headaches involved and the inefficiencies and and one of the things we were both into bioelectric medicine and just sharing how, you know, with the technology we have today, we can do better in-home treatment today than in-clinic treatment 10 years ago. And, and, and so the question was really like, why aren't we doing more of this? We could simplify our lives. We could help more people. We could have better outcomes. It's more efficient delivery of healthcare. And, and it, minimizes all of the headaches of running a big brick and mortar clinic. So guy, so, for example, so out of I, that, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. So I could reach out to yep. you and you could send me the gear. I don't know if I would rent it or buy it. I guess I have the option. I don't know. And then you could train yep. me based on my condition, whether it is, whether it's, I don't know, Alzheimer's, ADHD, anxiety, depression, and then you could give me protocols and I would give you feedback and be like a check-in like with a doctor or a coach, like every week we'll kind of optimize your protocols. It's kind of what it sounds like you're saying. It's exactly that. Awesome. You know, so I start off with people, we do a, you know, we do a Zoom consult, kind of find out what's going on for them. And then I either ship them a device or a suite of devices, depending on what's going on with them or the household, because often, you know, we might be treating multiple people within the household. So we send a suite of devices, we hop on a Zoom, we go through how to use them, what their initial protocols are. And then, yes, we just touch base over time as their treatment plan needs to be adjusted for the changes that are taking place. Um, so what I like to say is with CerebroFit is we're not a, we're not a technology company, we're a solutions company. And I think this is our point of distinction amongst other th- companies that might look like our competition is at, you know, at the lead of the company, we have two veteran clinicians, people who have been in the treatment room, treating people all day, every day for decades. And, and so that's what we bring to it is not just here's a, here's a great piece of technology, good luck, but here's a great piece of technology and a veteran clinician to help you understand how to work with this device to get the changes you want. And, and I think that's the big difference with Cerebral Fit over many of the companies where you can just go online and, you know, say, order a panel. Great. But we have panels. The difference is when somebody calls to order a panel, they talk to a clinician who can understand their condition, who can advise them on the, the right panel to buy for their condition and then how to use it and then monitor them over time. And yeah. I think that's our big difference is we're really a solutions company. How do you use bioelectric medicine to overcome the health challenges you have or because 
all of the, these devices are really peak performance devices. They're about vitalizing and optimizing. They're not anti-anything, right? Western medicine is, you know, kind of, you know, palliative care, uh, cut it off, cut it out, medicate it, right? Like that's Western medicine, which when we need it is fantastic. And that's, you know, not throwing shade on Western medicine, but it's okay. But they I do don't it all the time. spend much time. I have no problem on. with the guy. Yeah. I always tell people, listen, I will <laughs> never go see a Western doc ever unless, but I said, I'm not an idiot. If I fall off the roof of my house right now and I need to have surgery, I, I know where, if my appendicitis breaks, I'm going to go see them. Like there's no doubt they do a miracle job. Right. Exactly. But for exactly. the regular things like what we see, um, yeah. you know, for example, um, you know, anxiety or depression, I would never go see a Western doc to have them like, they're not going to, they're just not going to help me. I'm sorry. So no, yeah, sadly, no. I mean, anxiety, 17% of the population has it. We've just learned recently how ineffective SSRIs are actually 17, Okay, but but it's probably more like 70, 70, but, but statistically according to studies, it's 17%, but still that's an enormous swath of the population with this condition called anxiety. And, and then the main treatment within allopathic medicine being an SSRI and, and we see how low the efficacy is and there's good studies to show. Wasn't there just a 30 year study that came out showing they do absolutely nothing. (laughs) That was essentially the finding. Yeah. Okay. I mean, not quite that bad, but yeah, yeah. Basically that they're, they're, they're not better than placebo. Uh, And so when we compare, say, something like SSRIs, so multiple SSRIs, cross, you know, brands, categories, um, molecules, and compare that against something like um, transcranial stimulation, we see that there's there's about a 300 percent difference in outcomes between SSRI and transcranial stimulation. Transcranial stimulation, more effective, no side effects. And very for people that don't understand, guy, yeah, explain it. It's very transcranial. Like, I think you can buy a device for like 200 bucks and just kind of explain. It. I mean, yes. it's like from what I've seen, you put a headband on and you just kind of dial in. I mean, I don't think it, it's, it's not that much. It doesn't take that much effort, correct? No, no, not at all. You know, and, and so most of these devices are working on a microcurrent, which I always tell my clients, if you took a double A battery and you put your fingers on either end of the battery, you'd be getting more current than if you're running microcurrent. So um, it's a tiny bioidentical current, so there's nothing to be afraid of. Um, and then you place it, most commonly is ear clips, put ear clips on, but yes, you can get a headband, you can get, like we have a fancy cap where you can use the 1020 system to locate where you, so a more specific um, uh, treatment for specific conditions, so we can get quite specific. But even at the general level, just, just ear clips, and a barely perceptible current, um, what it does technically is it normalizes the resting membrane potential of the neuron, right? Normalizes the resting membrane potential of the neuron. What does that mean? So a neuron takes a certain amount of activation energy for it to fire. So a very uh, rough, coarse-grained way to think about anxiety is neurons that fire too easily. So it takes less stimulus to get them to fire. And depression is the opposite. It, it's a, a neuron that takes more energy, so it needs more activation energy to fire. So you've got over, over firing and under firing and anxiety and depression. So if you normalize that, 
So why does something like um, transcranial stim work well for anxiety and depression? Because it restores them, you know, neurons to their kind of normal neurotypical endogenous activation level. So now when that stimulus comes to you, maybe it's food, maybe it's your partner's voice, whatever the stimulus is, it, it lands on neurons in a neurotypical way. So you don't overfire or underfire, overstimulate or understimulate. So a very simple concept, works very gently, no side effects, great thing to do. And as you said, you can pick one up for not very much money. The, the difference would be level of sophistication. And I'm very much a believer in, you, you wanna have your, your kind of simple, right? There's, as, as my partner, Jeff likes to say, um, you know, uh, can't hurt, might help, right? So you can have a lot of people just try this, the very simple form of it and a significant percentage is gonna get better, right? Great, like fantastic. But for some of those people that a simple approach isn't gonna work, we need a slightly more technical approach. So we have that. And then for another smaller subset, we're gonna need a more technical approach. So we've got that. So that's why we you know, can have this very simple approach, low cost, easy, will benefit a great number of people, but some won't. And then we just keep refining the intervention to catch those few people that are, are, you know, need a more specific intervention. So, um, and that's part of like, that's what we do at CerebroFit is that's my job, you know, every day when I'm doing my virtual consults is to work through that with people to come up with what device or devices, because we might need to, you know, kind of rein in a couple of different parts of the body or the nervous system to get the change that we want to, you know, bring about for that person. Yeah. And then typically I'm just curious for anybody who's listening to this and goes, I have anxiety, I have depression. What, um, and I know everyone's different. There's that bio-individuality, but just in general, like what are you seeing for the stickiness for like a, something like transcranial stimulation working on them, the stickiness and long lasting effects, as well as, you know, can they expect some changes after, I don't know, a few treatments? I have no idea. Sure. So my favorite device for this group of people is the audiovisual entrainment. So it has three modalities. It's got uh, visual uh, photic stimulation. It's got auditory stimulation, form of binaural beats. Most everybody's heard of binaural beats. And then it has transcranial stimulation. So you've got three modalities that you can use together, separately, however it is for that person. Photic stimulation is incredibly powerful. Right? A lot of our brain is dedicated to vision. So we can light up uh, part of the frontal lobe, the whole optic chiasm into the back of the brain and the occipital. We can light up with photic stimulation. Um, auditory, we have a you know really kind of strikingly small amount of the brain that is dedicated to auditory processing. Um, so we don't get that big of a bang, but when you add them together, photic and auditory, you actually get quite a bit of cortical real estate that is responding to the therapy. And then transcranial stimulation, it's, it's, a, it's like we call it a trickle charge to the brain. It's going to take weeks for a person to notice transcranial stim, but photic starts working in minutes. Mm. Like when we put people in neuroimaging and we turn on photic stimulation, three to five minutes, we can see the brain is changing based on the, the, the photic stimulation. So wow. we just know that it works period, right? It's not a question of does it. It's kind of like photosynthesis for plants. Like we don't question whether photosynthesis works. It's like, no, put your plant in sunlight. 
it does well. Put it in the dark, it dies. Like it's just 100% of the time we know photosynthesis works. Same thing here with photic stimulation. Um, now there's a question of what photic stimulation does this particular person, this particular brain need? That's an active question. The question is to whether or not like, does it work? No, it absolutely works. We just have to find the right protocol for that person. Yeah. So the, so I like the audiovisual entrainment device because often with our clients within one session, they're reporting, noticing a change. Now it's small, it's not miraculous, it isn't magic, but, but anything where a person the next day says, yeah, you know, I slept better last night and I feel a little better today. You know, that's remarkable. So when we combine the photic stimulation for more of the immediate effect and the transcranial stimulation for that longer term effect, this is when we can really begin to change lives and nervous systems, you know, with these technologies all packed into one vice. And then the question about like how long, the way I think about bioelectric medicine is it's like nutrition, it's like exercise. You know, if you go to a nutritionist and say, hey, you know, I'd like to maybe lose a little bit of weight and I think I could be a little healthier and, you know, can you help me put together a diet? And your nutritionist says, great, great, here's a diet. What do you think? Will this work for you? Sure, I'll do that. And then, you know, you don't say, well, so should I do this once a week? Like, should I do this once a week for eight weeks and then I can go back to eating my old diet? Like, that would be ridiculous. I don't doubt that there's people who want it to work that way. But if you're into nutrition at all, you know that it really is eat three healthy meals a day every day for the rest of your life. Like, just do that because it's good for you, right? And it's the same thing with exercise, right? You don't want to go to the gym, work out, get the muscles you want, and then just don't go to the gym anymore and expect it to last. So we want to have the same mentality around the bioelectric medicine is it isn't anti-pathology, it's pro-health. That's the main focus we want to have. So yes, if you use audiovisual entrainment and you optimize your brain, do the symptoms that you were calling anxiety dissipate? Yes. Do you only do it because you want to get rid of your anxiety? Hopefully not. You want to do it because it's part of a healthy lifestyle that keeps your brain functioning optimally over a life course. It allows you to be the best you every day of your life for the rest of your life. And preventative against you know, mild cognitive decline, Parkinson's, dementia, the neurodegenerative diseases that can catch us later in life. Uh, this is a way to kind of hedge against those um, either settling in or settling in as early or being as devastating when they do. Yeah. And so that's to me, that's how I want people to think about bioelectric medicine. It's a, it's a lifestyle choice like diet and exercise, even though it also can be an acute intervention for something like a concussion. And somebody has post-concussion syndrome. You can use an audiovisual entrainment or a photobiomodulation to treat the acute symptoms of that and then be back to your normal self post-concussion. I'm fine. There's no residual um, loss of function. But even for that person, they would still benefit not because of the concussion, but because of they have a brain and it can be optimized. And, and so you could keep using the device even though you're past the acute phase. Yep. Yeah, yeah, totally makes sense. You know, I'm curious because we were just 
we went on a tangent about anxiety and depression, which was great. But I'm curious, like, why are most people coming? Why are they seeking you guys out? What do you? What is kind of a common thread that you hear? I mean, is it TBIs and concussion, Alzheimer's, ADHD? I don't know all of those things. I'm just kind of curious. Mm-hmm. So for CerebroFit itself, our biggest population is dementia, and and I my, my sense of that is people are motivated by symptoms and. A person might have anxiety, but feel kind of like, ah, I got it in hand or, you know, maybe I'm taking a medication and it's good Just enough. Take a pop a pill. So they're not that My motivated. life is fine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But if, if you get a, a, a diagnosis of dementia, you know, there isn't another solution. Mm-hmm. Allopathic medicine essentially has nothing to offer. Now they will offer some things, but there's no, there's, you're there's right. There's nothing. nothing showing that what they have to offer is helpful. Right. Yeah. 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 And they might even be harmful. So basically from a Western medicine, allopathic medicine, it's untreatable. So that puts the person who gets that diagnosis in a, in a, in a much, you know, more challenging disposition of, I need something. And I think that's why our largest pool of, of clients is in the dementia space. And then next probably in the Parkinson's space. And then we get into TBI and ADHD and, and things of that nature, but by far uh, dementia. And, and so our, you know, our kind of, we have a flagship product we call the cerebral fit complete, which is the near infrared helmet, the audiovisual entrainment and the nasal and ear lasers. So three devices and so we call it the Cerebrofit Complete. So most of my dementia clients are, that's what I'm going to end up shipping them. And Can the recommendation show, is... Um, I think you had that, you're talking about that helmet, right? The infra- yeah, infrared. Can you show it for people yeah. that are watching on the video? This will be great to, to kind of see. Damn. And I, I love that. Yep. And and talk about that helmet because, you know, we were talking offline. I said, well, why can't I just, I have an infrared red light panel. Why can't mm. I just shine that on my head? What is better about, you look great, by the way, what is this, what is better about uh, the helmet and just can it, what can it do, I guess, and hit certain areas and pathways that, you know, a regular infrared panel is not going to do. Is there any other data that you can pick up coupled with the helmet? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a hundred percent willing to work with people and panels, right? What's a, what's why a panel? Because it's more affordable. Now, I will say most panels are flat and most bodies are round. So I've never understood why panel manufacturers make flat panels. So CerebroFit makes hinged panels or moldable panels that that although they are made of panels, you can bend and flex around the head, around the body, around a knee, around a foot, so that we can have the power density of a panel, but moldable to go with bodies. Uh, and so, so we, this only reason I got into doing panels because there's enough panels on the market. The market does not need another light panel, but it was just treatment in the clinic and at home. Bodies aren't flat. And it, we just constantly struggle with how do we deliver an adequate dose of light to a body with a flat panel. And so we came up with, you know, panels that you can mold, but they're not wraps. I'm not a fan of the wraps. As far as I'm concerned, wraps don't have the power density to have um, the, the the medicinal effect we want to come. We, we still need a rigid form to have the power density uh, because of the heat that's put off by the LEDs. The, the wraps can't tolerate the heat. Um, so it is to say panels, 
um, fine, but it has to be the right kind of panel so we can actually get the the light focused onto the area we want. So that's what's like why the helmet. It's you know ergonomically it fits on your head. You're trying to treat your brain. Put it on your head. It fits. It keeps all the light kind of in and focused in the direction that we want it to be. So it's very efficient in that sense, and it has a convenience factor. So that there's that. But then the the helmet also has quadrants. So it has you know kind of a right front, right left, or right uh, front, left front, uh, posterior, so that we can we can put light where we want it and not where we don't want it. And so that's also helpful. A little more challenging to do with panels is to be able to do that. And then pulsing. So we can pulse between zero and 20,000. Mostly we pulse in the brain wave bandwidth. So from one hertz delta up to 40 hertz gamma, although sometimes we'll go um, higher into the gamma spectrum. So it allows us to do entrainment. So we can speak the language of the brain to affect brain function while we're affecting brain physiology. And so I think that's part of the knowledge base that comes working with the people at CerebroFit is we're asking the question, what do we want to do on the level of brain physiology affecting mitochondria, affecting nitric oxide, reactive oxygen species? Uh, a lot of good research showing what's happening with um, mRNA and RNA in terms of information processing. And so infrared light can have an effect on the mRNA, RNA level. So that has to do with also with, you know, genetic, um, repairing genetic mutations. So, uh, you know, being able to put that light in and affect physiology, but then also with the same device to be able to pulse so we can talk to the brain on the level of kind of neuronal activity and alpha and theta and beta and, and work with there gives us two ways to uh, interact with the brain. Whereas if you have a panel, you, you at best have one way, physiology, and chances are a good amount of the light is actually missing the brain altogether and it's just mm -hmm. bouncing off the head and scattering. Yeah. So that's why the helmet is, yeah. is those reasons. It's just the right tool for the job. Like you can put a screw in with a hammer, but it'll be a mess. So, you know, it's better to use a screwdriver. And, and that's the way I feel about like all these devices is they're tools and you just want to pick the right tool for the job. Yeah. Very cool, man. I, I, I love this. Um, talk, talk about, you know, uh, just a, a little bit, you know, you mentioned electroceuticals and nutraceuticals, you know, talk about like what that means for somebody. And, and you know, even that we've, someone's been listening for the last almost 30 minutes now we've been chatting, but you know, this bioelectric medicine and really why you're just so passionate about it. You we were sharing some of the work by Michael Levine. You were sharing with me some of that, that work and just why I, I think people don't understand the power and that what they're doing by, by altering and changing the mind, how everything in your life can be, get better. And you were gave a simple example with just diet and fitness, but um, it just seems like if we start to work with this core component, the mind first, everything gets better. So kind of, kind of just talk about a little bit about that. Sure. Great. Um, so a couple of things there. Um, so there's, there's, yeah, Michael Levin, I'm a huge fan. Anybody listening, go Google or uh, YouTube search Michael Levin bioelectricity. He's got a ton of talks out there. It's fantastic. Um, so yeah, there's a couple of things. There's, there's his, his theory that you alluded to there, uh, TAME, uh, technological approach to mind everywhere. So this idea 
that mind isn't just our verbal mind that we think of the mind of cognition, that mind goes all the way down. And there's good research on the molecular and the, the, the quantum physics side to show that mind actually goes down to the chemical level and into the uh, atomic level. But he stays in the biological level. So this idea that there's an intelligence at a cell level, and one of the ways, like so William James' definition of intelligence, which is um, you know, the, the ability of, of the, 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 the intelligent entity to problem solve. So you know, the cell has some goal. It needs to, to achieve that goal. There's, a, there's a, some barrier in its way, and it needs to find a way around that barrier to reach its goal. And intelligence is the creativity that allows it to have more than one way to do that. And, and so many, many, many scientists have designed all kinds of really interesting uh, experiments to show that, that even single cells have intelligence in this definition and that they can solve problems. Uh, there's, a great, there's a great one, um, showing a slime mold, um, mapping out the, the rail system of uh, Japan. Right. So 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 engineers spent, you know, a, a decade planning this optimal uh, route for the for the uh, trains and where to put stations to optimize the whole thing. Then they they tasked a slime mold with with, you know, creating an optimum path to food. And in a matter of 24 hours, the slime mold um, basically made the same map as the Japanese uh, railway system. And so it took, you know, engineers a decade to do the slime mold knocked off in 24 hours because, because it's, you know, like life is an efficiency engine. It's an, like it has an intelligence and an efficiency of how to meet its goals. Um, so, so this idea of how do we interact with mind at whatever level of the being needs to be uh, engaged to solve the problem. In this case, if we're talking about health, so if there is, if there is a lack of health in the system, so disease, what level of the system do we need to try and address mind to fix the problem? So for me to just put a little like, where does the rubber meet the road? Well, w- one example, and I think this is a good one. I forget in the moment the the researcher who said this, but in this conversation around mind, is. You know, he said in, in modern medicine, you know, we have a pill that you can give somebody and it has an effect, but we also can give somebody a word and it can have the same effect. And, and you could just think about the placebo effect, right? And, and that, you know, all the, the research we have on the placebo effect to show how powerful it is. And that's just the mind, right? Yeah. That the mind can be as powerful as a chemical. So, so this is just a way to kind of bracket this conversation. So how do we interact with the mind at levels that aren't the verbal mind? Because that, that seems obvious to us. You talk to each other, that's the mind. The rest of it, we don't know. Um, and so for me, when I work with clients who have what's called central sensitization, which you know is an umbrella for things like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, irritable bowel syndrome, um, to some, maybe they're, they're going to sweep kind of mast cell activation and some of the other autoimmune conditions kind of under that, that rubric of uh, central sensitization. Basically, what the theory of central sensitization says is this is an, as an information processing problem. The, 
the, the system, the parts in the chain of moving information around um, are, have lost the plot. Information is not being transferred the way it's supposed to be. And, and then this is what produces these different conditions. And so from my side, so for 25 years, 20, yeah, about 25 years, I would say try and treat fibromyalgia the way most everybody else did, right? Through massage, acupuncture, chiropractic, exercise, diet, all trying to kind of fix the problem at the level of the, the physical entity. And, and it turns out that's actually not a, that's not a helpful strategy. It's helpful in the sense that it can sometimes for a short period of time ameliorate symptoms, but it's not a path out because it isn't actually acknowledging and they're addressing the problem. The problem is the communication system, the, the mind at the cellular level has lost the plot. And so now I use bioelectric medicine, largely frequency specific microcurrent to, to correct the information processing at the cell the tissue and the nervous system level. And so for the first time in my career, I actually have clients that that no longer have fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue or central sensitization. There are people who would look back and say, I did have it, like that was true of me, but now I live a normal life. Um, I get out, I exercise, you know, if I get hurt, it heals. Um, I pretty much eat what I want. They don't have the condition anymore. And, and like I said, I ma help manage, I help people manage for 20 years, thought I was being of service, but now employing this idea of, of working with the information processing, actually having clients kind of come to resolution who would, they themselves would say, yeah, I don't have that anymore. Yeah. Um, that to me, that's the difference. Yeah. You that's know, so is, good. Is working on that level. I love that because, you know, again, oh, fibromyalgia, that's a physical ailment. Well, here you are touching the brain, if you will. You know, you're you're changing the brain, the mm -hmm. way the brain is interpreting pain and the systems, and that's what's healing them. Not not that, you know, lymphatics and doing all these other things might be valuable. No, you're changing the way the, the cells and the brain and everything's interacting. And when you change the input that the body receives, the body knows how to heal. It just, it has that innate intelligence. Like you said, it just needs the right input and you're doing that with the cerebral fit. So I, I love that. That's, that's amazing. I wanted to, um, I wanted to just yeah, ask, it's, it, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, guys. Sorry. There's a little bit of no, delay. Go for it. No, I was going to ask you, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really great. Um, I wanted to ask you just kind of a question just regarding ADHD. You know, I have a lot of listeners. I might myself, I'm a dad of a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. I'm just curious, like, have, has there been good success with that? Or have you seen, and I think ADHD, by the way, I think it's over prescribed anyways as a, Oh, my kid has this. And a lot of times I have two boys. I mean, they, they need to be outside. They need to be running. So there's part of that. But um, yeah, I'm just curious into to you is like, uh, have you seen a lot of good success with that? Cause I know that's a big, that's a big concern for a lot of parents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. Thanks for asking. Um, yes, so one is a little, a little bit of a, a tendency to to pathologize boys, right? Just they're full of energy, they're rambunctious, they're not designed to sit in a desk and pay attention for hours at a time. They're not wired that way. Um, they're wired to get out, run, break stuff, get dirty. Like that's what they're designed for. And so we have a little bit. But if we set that aside and we just look at a couple of things around ADHD. 
almost, you know, 90, 95% of assessments for ADHD are behavioral. So it'll be watching the person you know, doing what they do in their environment and kind of making notes about it, uh, maybe having them do surveys, so neuropsych testing, maybe computer-based neuropsych testing. So it's all kind of behavior-based. That's the standard model. What we do in our clinic is we do neuroimaging, functional neuroimaging, so QEG and ERP. So we look at brain function. And right off the top, I would say within neuroimaging, there are eight uh, what we call phenotypes for ADHD. So eight different types of ADHD. Well, you don't find that in, in the standard behavioral model. You don't find those eight phenotypes. You maybe have three. Um, so we've refined it to a, a more fine-grained differentiation between the types. But then <clears throat> even within that, like when we do neuroimaging with people sent to us as uh, with a diagnosis of ADHD, 50% of the time they don't have ADHD. So, so in our clinic, 50% of the evaluations are wrong. Nationally, it's 35% are, are wrong, but we, we see in our clinic about 50%. There's a number of different conditions that a person will have. So it's not to say that the, for, there isn't something, there isn't some dysregulation. It just doesn't fit the phenotype of ADHD. And the reason that it matters is if you if you have a diagnosis of ADHD, you're going to apply the standard fixes for ADHD and if that system isn't dysregulated in the ADHD way, those fixes aren't going to work. Everybody's right. going to be frustrated. The, the fixes might make them worse. Uh, and that's exactly what we see. Parents are coming in and say, oh, I did this and my child got worse or they're not any better. I'm three years in. And um, so we think like a proper brain-based um, uh, functional neuroimaging, to find out what's the dysregulation in this brain and then once you know what the dysregulation is, what are the known ways to remedy that dysregulation? For us, that's a lot of the photobiomodulation, the transcranial stimulation, the transcranial magnetic stimulation, uh, photic entrainment. These are the ways to, to, to then try and regulate the dysregulation in that nervous system. And if we're successful, what happens is the, the symptoms that were being labeled ADHD you just kind of fall away. Even though you never try to treat those symptoms, you just regulate the mechanism. It returns to its normal, happy functioning. And that's exactly what we see, right? Like our parents will, you know, like a mom will come in and say, you're never going to believe what happened today. You know, my son, you know, got up before his alarm. He made his bed. He came downstairs. He sat at the table. He had breakfast with the family. He got his schoolwork together and he made it to the bus on time that has never happened in 11 years like what's going on right and and that's because there was dysregulation in his tiny little nervous system and when we helped regulate that system then he just did what made sense which was get up get organized go to school like he just did that. He didn't have to be told, yelled at, cajoled, convinced, bribed, disciplined. He just did that because that's, you know, that was normative behavior in that household to do that. And this is, we see this across the board. So yes, um, ADHD, I think the most important thing is get 
a good evaluation. And, and that's not to say like a good neuropsych is important. Like, absolutely. We do neuropsych exams as well in our clinic. It's just, we don't just do neuropsych exams. We also do the quantitative electroencephalograph, the, the QEG and the ERP to look at, you know, functional activity in the brain. Like, you know, what we always say is like image the organ itself. You, you wouldn't go to a cardiologist that just had you fill out some surveys about your heart health and then said, oh, you know, I think you're fine here. Maybe take this statin and call me in the morning. Like you would not go back to that cardiologist. Like today, the, the gold standard would be uh, to do a calcium scan of the heart to see how much blockage is there, right? That is going to be every bit as important as the clinical conversation with your physician around your cardiac health. And so we say the same thing, like why wouldn't you scan the brain to look at its function and then marry that with the, you know, the behavioral uh, neuropsych results. And, but it's not done. It's like maybe 3% of the time that gets right. done. Yeah. yeah. So yes. And then our primary device is um, the audiovisual entrainment for at-home treatment. In the clinic, we would do neurofeedback. That that's that's the like you know what's the like the the does the heavy lifting is neurofeedback where you actually you get the brain to rewire itself. The downside is that takes a clinic, so we're back to the brick and mortar. That takes somebody who's invested in the right equipment, which is probably going to be fifty to $70,000 worth of equipment to have the stuff that can really do the job, not sort of kind of, but yeah. like good equipment, good software. And then, a t you know, a clinician who is trained and dedicated to sitting and watching the process moment by moment to be able to, to engage and interact with that person who's doing the training um, in a way that that brain needs to be engaged with to, to make the changes. So it's a, it's a time intensive, it can be a cost intensive, and it's definitely a, a skill and resource intensive activity. So in that sense, it's just not accessible to everybody. Yeah. So that that's why, sense. again, cerebral fit. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. huge. So love yeah, that, man. Yeah. That, that is great stuff. Um, I want to wrap things up in a little bit and I'll ask you some final round questions, but before I do, I'm just curious, any exciting projects that you're working on uh, at cerebral fit? Mm. Yes. So um, the audiovisual entrainment device that we use, and, and it's, it's not our device, we, you know, third party um, uh, marketing for another um, manufacturer, but we use it because it's the best device on the market right now. Price point, function, it just is. There are other devices like it. They either cost the same or more with less functionality to them. So this is why we use the one we use. But we have one in, in development that I'm, I'm super excited about. It's going to update it to kind of, you know, modern interactive technology. It's going to have more functionality. We'll have more modalities built into it. And so I think what we're going to be able to do is really empower people with more tools in an easier to use device that is more flexible to, to I'm really into not having my clients have to buy a device for every symptom. I like devices that that can treat a large number of conditions. And so this is going to be a, us kind of moving into that space of 
the, the again, audiovisual entrainment, neuromodulation, but packing in more modalities and more functionality um, into one device. And that's in development right now. So very cool. Excited we'll to, about we'll we'll stay in touch. I'll have, in to have, I'll have to have you come back on when that when that gets released. That'd be awesome to uh, do a follow up yeah. about that. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome stuff, brother. I want to, uh, let's wrap some things up here. I, I want to, uh, kind of ask you some final round questions and then, uh, we'll be sure to have you, you know, let everybody know where they can find you and reach out to you. Um, but I'm curious, so I'm curious though, you know, were there any choices that you made or maybe a choice that you made or you think you made that made you who you are today? So, uh, so let's see. Yes. Um, so Thirty, I don't know. I don't like doing the math anymore, so I just let it be fuzzy. A long, at a certain long point. time ago, thirty some years. A long, long time ago, um, I was in pre med, so I was in a, like my kind of my third year pre med between my third and fourth year, and it was actually my mom who said, "You know, you should go to massage school." And I thought, like, what an obtuse idea. You know, I'm in a small town from Canada, like massage, okay, but. You know, to me, it was like, I'm not having fun in college. Uh, this was a chance to come to the States, you know, on my mom, you know, come down here for a year and, and do this thing. And I really had no interest in the massage side of it. But again, it was a chance just to come down to the States and, and hang out for a year. And I would say it was about three weeks into to my massage training when I realized, like, this is everything my medical education isn't. They're talking about people. And like human beings as whole human beings and how to interact and engage with a whole person and help them heal. And medical school is nothing but, but, you know, biochemistry and pathophysiology and, uh, you know, parts and, and, you know, being like a technician. And so absolutely like, so that, that decision, which still to this day makes no sense to me, who makes that decision but, you know, as I, I'm fond of saying, like my mom was hoping she would have, you know, uh, like be able to get free massage for the rest of her life. But actually, I, you know, I moved to Minnesota. I stayed here. So I've been here for 30 whatever years. So like my mom's cost per massage is still like about a thousand dollars a massage. So I don't <laughs> I don't think she won that. Um, but uh, I'm certainly uh, grateful that that she made that suggestion. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was crazy enough to follow it because, yeah, it, it absolutely changed my life and the path uh, that I'm on. And I wouldn't be doing all the great things, wonderful and enjoyable things I'm doing if it hadn't been for that moment. Yeah, love that. Uh, I'm curious, you know, you guys are doing so much in the health and wellness world. I'm just curious, who inspires you? Or is there anybody that you follow? I know you mentioned Michael Levin's work, but anybody, yeah, is there anybody else? Yeah, I mean, so so Michael's probably like the number one. Um, but then you know, like so Carl Friston, his his thing on um, kind of you know mind architecture of mind and and like but like what's the underpinning in behind behavior? To me, that that comes right in and fills in some of the gaps or informs what Michael Levin's trying to talk about with this tame technological approach to, to mind everywhere. I feel like Carl Friston's free energy uh, theory kind of comes in and fills in some of the gaps. So I thoroughly enjoy his work. Um, uh, um, 
uh, Dirk de Ritter. So Dirk de Ritter is a, uh, in, you know, kind of world famous neurosurgeon, um, mostly in the internally implanted brain stimulator side. Uh, but he's also an advocate for neurofeedback and neurostimulation. So here's a guy who's got a, you know, a, a lab where he's got all of the toys. He gets to play like with brains. So he, he actually, you know, gets to work directly on brains and developed a cap to do EEG or QEG directly on the brain. And so I, I love following uh, Dirk and his talks because he is right there on the front line with the organ itself. And he absolutely sees the correlation between what he's doing, working on the brain directly and, and doing implantable uh, stimulation and, and the connection to, say, neurofeedback and, and neurostimulation that is done externally, non-invasively, and 100% makes a seamless connection. So, um, so Dirk DeRitter, to me, is, is you know, uh, an inspiration uh, down that path. Very, very good stuff. Love that. I'm a big reader. Are there any Are there any books that just stick out that had a huge influence on you? I don't know if there's like one that comes to mind or a top three that you'd say, man, you got to go out and read these because they, they will have so much impact on your life. Sure. So um, this is totally going to date me, uh, but Ken Wilber, so uh, I don't know if I say the name Ken Wilber, does that mean anything to you? No. You, and it's okay. You can say no. <laughs> um, so, you know, unfortunately, you know. You I know, knew Gavin DeBecker. Uh, 20 Gavin years DeBecker, ago. Uh, uh, DeBecker, though. I know, I know DeBecker's work and a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of people know that. So I know that. Becker, one, but, sure. Yeah, Becker, yep. yeah. So Ken Wilber is, you know, there's, there's no reason for anybody to, to know Ken Wilber except for the fact. So he's a, he's a kind of philosopher and he's. He's one of the, the, the most published philosophers ever in that his books have been translated into the most languages and used in the most schools around the world. So, so given that his work has been enormously influential, most nobody has heard of him. But I, th I think like his, his philosophy was so comprehensive, his his understanding of human beings and the human experience and, and the, the human brain and the human consciousness was so comprehensive. We're, we're just now, you know, 25 ish years later, beginning to understand, like to be able to show, to prove that what he was articulating is actually true. It wasn't, it wasn't just a philosophy. He was articulating a fundamental reality. And so I, that's why I, th I think he's still relevant, even though he, he isn't as you know, kind of popular as he was when he first came out and kind of made a big splash. But his information is absolutely just as relevant today. If you were to go and look at kind of spiral dynamics and, and, and his, his whole kind of web of consciousness, um, Absolutely. And this is what we see when we have, you know, Carl Friston and, and Michael Levin and Ian McGilchrist, some of the, the, the you know, the, the main players in the academic world having their cross uh, domain conversations today. What they're articulating is what Ken pointed out 25 years ago. 
And, yeah. and, and in his work was just a collection of other people's works, but he knitted it together. So I would still say like, if there's a, if there's a body of work that a person wanted to go and, and, and dip into, um, it, Ken Wilber is probably still top of my list. Yeah, that's great. Last two questions. We'll wrap it up. Yeah. Any, I'm curious, Mr. Right. Cerebral fit, Mr. Biohacker, what are, are there, or are there any rituals or hacks or any practices that you like to do on a daily basis? There are. So I, I use our devices and again, it's, the, it, it's because it's what I have in my house, but I would use somebody else's device if that's what I had. But I, I use my AVE every day. I use my helmet every day and I use microcurrent as I need to. And so, yes, but I will say um, on, a, on a simpler uh, way, and I love to use the word ritual, um, it would be get out in the sun Put your bare feet on the ground every day. I don't know what you're going to do if you live in Minnesota where six months out of the year it's freezing, but, but you know, f- figure out a plan. But, but every day, get out in the sun, put your bare feet on the ground. You know, as you know, contact with the ground, you're grounding and sun. And it's that combination of the sun and the grounding that, that, restores the circuit in our body that was evolutionarily is a battery and it's how we charge our cells is by these two simple things sunlight and earth and so that's that's my advocacy for people even though like i'm totally like all the bioelectric stuff i love it absolutely it has its place but i i tell all my clients like you know if you don't want to Buy my stuff. You don't want to use it. You don't want to use it, whatever. Or buy the stuff and use it. But also get out in the sun, sun on skin, right? Hours a day. Good research been out over the last few years to show that we are, that modern humans, we are missing about 93% of the access to red and near infrared light that our ancestors had. And when I say ancestors, I don't, I'm not like not you know, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 years ago, just 500 years ago, just people spent more time outside. What choice did they have? They had less clothing on, so more skin exposed to the sun for more hours of the day. We have cut down our exposure to the sun to something down around, you know, six, 7% of what, what we evolved from. That's not good for us. Like we think about the sun and vitamin D. Most people can say that. Oh, you get sun, you produce vitamin D. There are about 1,400 compounds that we produce internally because of sunlight. And, and so if you don't get out and get enough sun, the, you know, your internal pharmacy is missing so many of its necessary ingredients to do the process of life. So that's my advocacy. Get out, get sun, ground, and that is going to handle a lot of it. So amazing. I love that. That is a cheap and easy one, and I do it every day, and you couldn't be more right. Uh, Guy Odisha, last but not least, where can people find you, connect with you, learn more about Cerebral Fit and all the cool things that you guys are up to? So uh, www.cerebralfit.com. So Cerebral, F-I-T, Com. So cerebralfit.com, everything is there. My direct email, my direct phone number. That they can go online. They can book a free consult. Um, they can 
shop our products. So everything they, that they might need to contact her to move forward is right there on the site. So cerebrofit.com, that's the best place to start. Amazing. Guy, thanks for being on the show, brother. I appreciate you. Thank you. It's been a delight.